chapter 2. The Gospel of Luke chapter 2. It's so tempting to read the entirety of this chapter, but this morning I want to begin in verse number 6 and look at just a portion of it. Verse 6, And so it was that while they were there, speaking of Mary and Joseph, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. We hear a, a lot about first things. The first man on the moon, the first man to break the sound barrier, the first man who broke the four-minute mile, and the first man to hit 60 home runs, and it just goes on and on and on. And a lot of people put a lot of emphasis on those who finished first in something. But today we see something that is far more important than any of those things. This here speaks about those who were the first to receive the news of our Savior's birth. And it's noteworthy to see the people to whom the angel appeared in verse 8 and 9 because the announcement here is given to shepherds. Now, you might have thought that this news, being as great as it was, would be delivered to the kings or perhaps to the religious leaders or maybe the educators. But that wasn't God's plan. Instead, this glorious news was announced to the lowly Shepherds, men who were near the bottom of the social ladder in those days. Even though the shepherds played an important role in the Hebrew history, during this particular time, they were not well respected. For one thing, they moved around from place to place. They were literally despised by a lot of the religious people because of their irregular attendance and in, 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 in submission to the ceremonial laws. And then there was the matter of thievery. I can remember whenever I was a boy, and it was quite common for uh, bands of gypsies to come through our area, and just about everybody was scared to death of gypsies. They never stole anything from us, but they got a bad reputation, uh, I guess. It was bad anyway. Uh, I don't think, I never knew of anybody that lived up to it, but 
people moving about and uh, stealing things. And evidently, that was the case with some of these shepherds. So uh, a lot of people despised them. The interesting thing is, though, that God chose to make this announcement to them. And, and, and you got to have to scratch your head and wonder, why was it that, you know, it wasn't the kings and the religious leaders and people like that? Why the shepherds? Well, I think Luke chapter 4, I mentioned last week the mission statement of Jesus, and I think that describes it very clearly, the fact that he came to minister to the needs of the people, the common people. He was the champion of those who were down and out. And you'll remember that it was the common people that heard him gladly. The others, of course, thought, you know, that uh, he was beneath that dignity and they turned a deaf ear to his teachings. But the common people were impressed. So it's not a mere coincidence that God, first of all, makes this announcement to those lowly shepherds. It is by divine appointment. Out of the depths of God's wisdom, He chose to make the news of good tidings to these men. I'm so glad that we serve a God who is just as concerned about us today as He was about those men back then. His love never changes. Amen. And just as he was concerned about the common man back then, just as he was concerned about those on the low rung of the social ladder, lowly shepherds, he's concerned about you this morning. And sometimes, you know, whenever we think about God and God so loving the world, and certainly he does that, but we, we fail to make it as personal as we should. Some way we think, you know, that whether it's because of our uh, ignorance or because of our iniquities or whatever it might be, that, that God could never love us. But there's no one that God doesn't love. Amen? Regardless of who you are and what you've done, God loves you. So the announcement is made to these people, not the people the world would have chosen but the people that God displayed an interest in. But notice the purpose of all of this, which is absolutely clear in verses 10 on down through verse number 14. And this message from the angel could be divided up into three parts. There's an introduction to it. There's the announcement of it. And then there's a conclusion. Notice the very first words here because they were designed to comfort the shepherds. They said, fear not. And the reason they said fear not was because in verse 9 it says they were sore afraid. And the angel is acknowledging their fear. And so he says, fear not. I don't know about you, but if I'd been there, he'd have to said get up or arise or something. I would have fainted clear away. These people talk about, oh, they'd love to see an angel fluttering down and making it now. Not me. I, I'll just stick with the Word of God. That's all I need. I don't need some kind of vision from heaven because I wouldn't know if the vision, you know, that I saw was from heaven or hell, you know. Amen? You can't depend on visions, but you can always depend on the Word of God. Amen? It never deceives us. And so there's a lesson for us here because sometimes we are fearful and in need of this same message. And the message is, and the title of my message is good news, good tidings. 
It's good news. They said, fear not. Those are the first words. But notice the finest words of the angel's message in verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Now that, that is exactly what the angel promised to Mary. If you go back to chapter 1, verse number 30. And uh, it, in fact, that promise goes all of the way back to Genesis chapter 3 where the Lord gave the prophecy literally to Satan himself, but for the benefit of Adam and Eve and for our benefit also concerning the seed of the woman. That, that must speak of the virgin birth because the seed emanates from the man, not the woman. But in the case of Jesus, it was the seed of the woman that would bruise the head of the seed of the serpent. And we know, we know that's exactly what happened. The heel of our blessed Savior was bruised by destroying the head of the serpent. Amen? Amen. I, the devil is a defeated foe. Amen? He's already defeated. Out of the depths of God's great wisdom, he is allowed to maintain a limited degree of ministry, as it were, here upon this earth, but the final, the final, the final product of the Lord's victory is as sure as anything could be. Unto you is born, he says, a Savior. This is the message repeated by the prophets as they look forward to the Messiah. And so he's speaking about a Savior, and then he speaks about a sign. Look at verse 12. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Now, there's not anything unusual about a baby being wrapped in swaddling clothes. That wasn't the point. I mean, that's just the way that they did things back then. But notice he said the babe would be lying in a manger. That was the unusual thing. That was the sign for them that when you find the babe in the manger. And I'm glad that, that we have a sign. 700 years before the birth of Christ, Isaiah said, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. These are the finest words that, that, that were possible for these lowly shepherds and for us today. But notice then the, the final words of the angel's message in verse 13 and 14. And, and just try to picture this in your mind because I'm not exactly certain what the shepherds saw, but I, I know what they heard. It says, a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Anyone who can think about the birth of Christ without praising God is out of touch with heaven. It's so amazing that week after week that professing Christians can assemble and hear the Word of God and they hear about the virgin birth, they hear about the virtuous life, they hear about the vicarious death, they hear about the victorious resurrect resurrection, and they just sit like a knot on a log, you know, like a wooden Indian 
You couldn't get a holy grunt out of them if Jesus himself walked down the aisle. What a, what a sad state of affairs. How could these shepherds not be enthused? How could they not be excited at this sight of suddenly a heavenly host? They break on the scene and they begin to sing praises to the Lord. But look in verse 15, because I want you to notice the product of all of this. We know who the people were and the purpose for it, but notice Notice the product of all of this, the result, the bottom line. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste, and found Mary and Joseph and the babe blind in a manger, and when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all of these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying God and praising God for all of the things they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. I want you to notice three things here in regards to their response. First of all, there is the display of wisdom. Verse 15 and 16, they pursued the revelation they received. Look at verse 15. Notice the word now. Notice verse 16 and the phrase with haste. In other words, they responded immediately. There's no hesitation. And that's wise. You know, God has spoken to man through creation. The visible things of this world, Paul said, testify as to those things that are invisible. And to such an excuse that it leaves man, it leaves man without any excuse whatsoever. Imagine that, that God has written the record of his presence in creation. Anyone that could look at creation and suppose that even for a moment that there could not have been a designer and that there could not have been a greater power that created all of this is a fool. The fool has said in his heart there is no God. So God's given us the record of his creation and beyond that, of course, he has given us the word of God. Amen. That we can depend upon. As somebody said, the Bible is a book that man would not have written if he could, and he could not if he would. And that is certainly right. Anyone that has really studied with an honest heart the Word of God will eventually come to the conclusion that it is indeed the very Word of God, and then the Spirit of God, using the Word of God, which is the sword of the Spirit, also reveals God. To us, someone said many, many years ago that man, that God created man with a God-shaped blank in his heart and that he'll never be satisfied until God fills that empty place. How true that is. That's why that the world can't find any satisfaction in the world. That's why Solomon, when he had conducted his experiment and he tried this and that and the other and everything imaginable and he had the finances and he had the position, the power and everything needed to do anything he wanted 
And after he had run the gamut of everything that would appeal to his fleshly lust, he said it's, uh, it's all vanity. It's just a soap bubble world that we live in because there is no satisfaction. These men had received a word from the Lord and with haste, immediately they began to pursue it. You would be wise to do the same thing. I know, I know mom and dad told you about Jesus. I know maybe grandpa and grandma or somebody else, some concerned friend told you about Jesus. And he just went in one ear and out the other. Let me tell you, on your own. Get you a Bible. If you don't have one, we'll buy you one. But get you a Bible and get in the Word of God and discover for yourself the message, the good news that God wants you to have. Notice not only their wisdom, but notice their witness as they begin to leave there. They begin to publish in verse 17. And when they had seen it, thank God there was no disappointment. They saw exactly what God said they would find. Amen. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. They are so overwhelmed by the discovery that now they are publishing the news, the good news, the gospel news to others. What a rebuke that is to those of us who refuse to share the gospel with others. There is no more pressing need in all of the world than the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm, th- this is the proclamation, the most important proclamation in the world. It's not just good tidings, it's a true record. The best news that anyone could hear. So many times people will make a profession of faith and yet they'll never tell anyone else about it. I think there's something wrong with that picture, don't you? I remember years ago we had a little fellow that made a profession of faith during one of the services. And uh, that afternoon I got a call. The the boy and his mother lived alone in in a mobile home park. And I got a call and the mother told me, said said, David has been out already going through the park telling all of his friends that he has trusted Jesus as his Savior. I'm so glad that even later on that I come to believe that because that kid, I guess, is still the music director at that church there in Tennessee. Thank God for those that care enough to tell others about Jesus. How, how could how could we not such make such a great discovery and then not share it with others? I'm glad somebody told me about Jesus. Living in Springfield, Missouri. That was the home headquarters of the Baptist Bible Fellowship. Not only that, but the world headquarters of the Assemblies of God and also the Pentecostal denomination and their Bible colleges and all of that, and all during my lifetime up until high school, I never had one single person ever talk to me about Jesus and tell me what he did. Oh, I knew about Christmas. That was Dad's favorite time of the year. I knew about the Bible. Mom had that great old big family Bible laying somewhere in the house. I'd seen that before. 
But I didn't know anything about Jesus. I didn't know anything about why I needed to be saved or how I could be saved. Finally, finally, we had a young man that I went to high school with, and he pulled up and must have been probably my freshman year, and uh, he, was, he was driving, pulled up, I'll never forget it, crossed the street, parked the car, come up and knocked on the door. I hardly knew the guy just by name. And uh, he said, can I, can I talk with you a little while? I said, sure. No, no, come, let's go out to the car and talk. I want to talk to you. And he began to talk to me about, about the Lord. And uh, he said, are you a Christian? Now, what I, I'm going to be honest. This is how ignorant I was. I thought he meant by that, I thought he meant, are you a Catholic? Because I thought, you know, Christians are Catholics and Catholics are Christians. And, oh, no, I, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not. My, uh, Mama said I was a Baptist. I don't know why Mom said that, but, uh, you know, that, that's all, all I knew. And that poor kid, bless his heart, he tried and tried to explain to me and and I, I just finally told him, well, you know, I, I, I know what I believe, you know, and, and finally got out of that car. It didn't pay off. I didn't listen to a word he said. But I'll tell you one thing. I never, ever forgot the effort that man made to think that he, that boy, young boy, high school kid, that he cared enough about me that he came over, drove across town, came over there to try to tell me about Jesus how long has it been since you told someone the good news? These shepherds couldn't wait. They were busting their buttons. I mean, boy, they, they went with haste and had to go out and tell others what they had discovered. But that's their witness. But look at verse 20, and we see their worship here in verse number 20. It says, And when the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all of the things they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. And when they returned, that's, I find that interesting. It's kind of like saying we didn't get enough the first time. We want, we want to go back. We, you know, some people make a profession of faith and you can't find them for the next year. But I'll tell you, these men were excited, and here we find them praising the Redeemer, and that's the way that it ought to be. Amen. Those that have been saved ought to proclaim it to others, but they ought to praise God for it. That's why I love Psalms 40 so much. He brought me up out of a horrible pit. And he set my feet on a solid rock. Amen. He established my going and he put a new song in my mouth. Even praise unto our God. Amen. And he says, and many shall see it and be glad. Thank God for that. For the testimony of someone that has received Christ as their Savior. And they are just bursting forth with praise unto God. I was sitting there a while ago as we were singing listening to uh, Brother Hamlin and others expressing themselves in worship, and I'd look out and see some raising their hand. I know we're all different. Our personalities are different. But I'll tell you, you can generally tell if somebody's really got their heart in the worship of God. Amen. Amen. I've been in services where they run down the aisles and run around the building and run on top of the pews, literally. I've seen just about everything that you can imagine in church. 
in some Baptist churches, I've seen all of that. I've seen the little old women with the hankies in their hand waving it over their head and dancing down the aisle and what have That's fine with me. We're, but look, we're all different. But I'm simply trying to say, if you're not worshiping God with all of your heart, there's something wrong in your life. Amen. 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 And here we find these men bursting forth in song. How is it that you can't get a holy grunt out of some people that just uh, just not seemingly interested? But these men were excited. Why? Well, the bottom line all revolves around those two words, the good tidings. Good time, good news. It's good news. Why? Because it's true. Amen. Amen. It wouldn't be good if it wasn't true. Some people have the idea that whenever it comes to the matter of religion, it doesn't make any difference which one you choose. It doesn't make any difference what you believe. Just as long as you are sincere. But if you're not, if you're not right, it is absolutely worthless. The good news is true. It's not only true, it's tremendous. And I I say that because we're not talking about ordinary news. We're talking about the good news. And it's trustworthy because it came from the God who cannot lie. It's triumphant because it is the power of God unto salvation to all who believe. It's transcendent because it is above all others. There's no more important message in all of the world than the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. How thrilling that is. Notice it was to be good tidings of, with great joy. Great joy. But let me tell you, it's timeless. This is a timeless message. It's to all generations. It's the one message that never changes. It's the one message that never ceases to be needed, regardless of where you are or who you're speaking to. Notice the phrase, to all people. Believe me, in that day, that phrase was sure to get everybody's attention. For one thing, the Jews who looked with great disdain down upon the Gentile people No doubt they raised an eyebrow at that and began to bristle up to think about those Gentiles, those that had been discounted, those that had been disrespected, those that had been despised literally for centuries, and now to hear this message from heaven, good news to all people, not just the Jews, but to all people. So you can imagine it got the attention of the Jews. But think about being there in the place of a Gentile in that day. Somebody that has been so criticized and disrespected all of your life. It, they treated you as though that there was no possibility for you to ever be accepted by God and have a hope of eternity. And all of a sudden, to hear the good news, and the good news, he says, is for all people. Let me tell you, it's still, listen, and I'm through, listen, it's still good news. It's still good news today, regardless of who you are and what you've done. That was the most shocking revelation that I've ever received in all of my life whenever I first heard 
the pastor read Romans 5, 8. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners. Wait a minute. That, that just doesn't seem right. While we were yet sinners. If God had said, if God had said, I will love you if you'll clean up your act and get out of the honky-tonks and the bars, if you'll become a good husband and a good father, if you'll do all of those things, then I'll extend my love to you and I'll forgive you and take you to my heaven. No, no, he didn't say any of that. He didn't say anything about that I had to stop drinking, stop cussing or anything. He said, I love you just the way you are. Amen. Amen. While we were yet sinners. That's the message the world needs to hear. Regardless of who you are, regardless of what you've done, Jesus Christ made it possible for you to be accepted. Romans 1 or Ephesians 1, 6 says that God made us accepted in the Beloved. That when there's nothing, no righteousness of our own, no reason for God to accept us except for the fact that Jesus Christ stepped on the scene in His spotless robe of righteousness and with the shed blood anointing the mercy seat and the shed blood of Jesus Christ atoning for all of our sins. Oh, thank God. That's the good news right there. And it's for you and it's for everyone else. Whosoever. Whosoever. That includes, that includes me. That includes you. The sad, sad thing is that most people, just like I did there as a high school boy, most people will reject him. How sad that is. But the question is, what will you do this morning? You said, but preacher, I already joined the church. I'm a member. No, no, I didn't ask you that. Have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? That's the question. That's the good news. The good news is not in a plan. It's in a person. And that person is Jesus Christ. Will you trust Him to save you this morning? I'll guarantee you, if you do, you'll leave here. You'll leave here with this being the greatest day of your life. All of your sins forgiven, accepted by God into His family and given a joint inheritance with Jesus Christ and the assurance of heaven that you have to trust Him. I hope you will. Let's stand, Father. How we thank you, Lord, for the manner in which you have revealed yourself to us, not only through creation, but also through the very Word of God that gives us the record of you sending your own dear Son. And even, Lord, whenever we would come to those places that we were confused and bewildered, that the blessed Holy Spirit took the Word of God and applied it unto our heart in a way that we, for the first time in our life, could begin to understand and convicted us of our sinfulness and drew us by His power to that old rugged cross where we trusted the Lord as our Savior. And I just pray this morning, Lord, that You might speak to hearts. I can't force myself to even for a moment believe that that every person here today has been saved. Lord, there's some reason that you laid this message on my heart. There's some reason that you brought us all here together today. It's not by accident. 
any more than it was by accident that you sent that message to those lowly shepherds. And now you've given us the record of your son, the record of your love for mankind. And I pray that some man, woman, or a boy or girl, someone here today might come to know Christ in the free pardon of sin. We promise, Lord, that whatever is accomplished, we'll give you alone the praise for it. But we beg it in Jesus' dear name. Amen. Now, while we stand in this, we sing, if God's speaking to your heart today, whether it's about salvation, baptism, church membership, or whatever it is, it might be you just want to come and get on your knees, and you just want to praise the Lord. How about that? Page 475, 475. While we sing.